Hello, everyone. Welcome to Millennials and Money Cafe, where we create events to empower, inspire, and motivate millennials to live, love, and matter. My name is Marilyn O'Malley of MarilynO'Malley.com, and I am a tapping into wealth and success transformation coach for highly sensitive and creative millennial entrepreneurs and professionals. And today I'm so excited to be with Sarah and Samantha, two sisters who are on a journey to change women's lives. They have faced marriage, divorce, sexuality, unhealthy friendships, being held at gunpoint, getting kicked out of college, losing a career, infidelity, and betrayal. They have learned through their experiences that life is going to happen no matter what, and it's up to you how you react. Their mission is to motivate and inspire others to fall in love with themselves and to find internal validation for long-term happiness. So welcome, Sarah and Samantha. Hello. Thanks for having having us. I'm so excited. So our our missions are are aligned, very aligned. And and, um, so to let everybody know, we talked before we started this call, and we've decided so you can know the what what to expect today is we're going to be talking about relationships and relationships to ourselves, relationships to our parents, relationships to significant others or to, you know, friends. So there, we're going to have a, a it's like girl talk today. But first I've asked um, Samantha and, and Sarah to share uh, their stories, like how did they get started? And they're, they're, um, their website is uh, Never Be Average, and um, we're going to be sharing how you can get more information from them at the end. But um, so, Sarah, uh, could you just start sharing some of your story and how you guys, how you ended up uh, awakening to wait, something's wrong here. I don't want to go on down this path, and um, I want to start leading. Absolutely. Um... So my story begins, uh, well, really, I guess you could say, um, growing up, Samantha and I, we were both raised in a, a, you can kind of call it like a leave it to beaver community, Um, Pleasanton, California, and Mm -hmm. Pleasanton, California is exactly what it sounds like. It's very pleasant. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, you know, you go off to college and everything seems very happy. And so we we were raised like, oh, that life's good. And and we're going to get married and we're going to have kids and we're going to have a dog and we're going to have the picket fence and we're going to go to college and we're going to have careers and we're going to have it all. Mm-hmm. And so my story really began at 18 when I met my now ex-husband, um, but I met him in college and we had this storybook romance. And so, you know, we were young, uh, we joined fraternity and sorority, uh, we got married in our early 20s, um, we had a home on the water. Uh, we had the careers, we had the cars, we had the dogs. Um, and so from at the outside, it looked perfect. Um, but on the inside, it was very lonely. Um, I was married to someone that struggled with an addiction. Um, there was a lot of skeletons in the closet. There was infidelity, um, all those things. And for years, I never told a soul. And I just sat in this false betrayal and that when I walked out of my house I was one image and when I was inside my house I was another and it was very very lonely um, and through that uh, I got divorced um, and I was with him for about eight years 
And then because I did not deal with, I always say it wasn't what happened to me. So it wasn't being married to um, someone with an addiction or being cheated on. It was, why did I stay as long as I stayed and put up with the behavior? And because I didn't understand that when I got divorced, you kind of, when you get divorced, you feel like that's the, the step of change. Like I'm going to get divorced and now my life's going to be different. And I'm going to go and have everything that I want again. And it's not quite that easy. And, and what happened was, is because I didn't deal with that, I just kind of went right back into life. Um, I ended up having five years of just repeating the cycle. I was in and out of relationships. Um, I got into a very unhealthy place within myself. And one morning I woke up and I just said, I don't want to feel like this ever again. And it was that decision of change. And it wasn't like you just make that decision and it just happens. I mean, it, that's it's just the, the thought of it. But I actively took action. And once I started to really become active in my self-discovery and my self-love and finding my own self-confidence, all of my environment started to change and my life turned completely different. And that's what's really led, and Sam will share her story, um, that where we kind of both hit a spot, but that's a majority of my passion and why we're on this mission comes from helping women to have an outlet. I mean, when I was going through these things, it, it wasn't that there wasn't an outlet. I just never went and looked for it or I didn't have a resource and I felt so ashamed. Um, and so if we can be a resource for women to help speed up the process and, and to not repeat cycles and, and to get to healing a lot quicker, um, that's where the passion for Never Be Average comes from. Hmm. Thank you. That's wonderful. And I'm so sorry you had to go through that. <laughs> It got me here, though. I know, I know, I know. It's like you'd never give up, but yeah, yeah. But it's still, it's it's like, why don't we know this? What I always get frustrated, like, why did somebody not teach me this when I was younger? So I didn't have, I don't have to go through this suffering and sacrificing and and um, you know struggle unnecessarily. Absolutely. But we believe though that we've we've gone through it so that we can help other women. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you will, so that they won't have to go through it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so that's been your, so so why don't you share your story, Samantha? Uh, so growing up, I was, you know, essentially the perfect child. I did everything right. I made all the right decisions. <laughs> um, my parents never had issues with me. I got really good grades. I did everything by the books, and so, of course, I went off to college with the assumption I was going to go to school for four years, I was going to get my degree, I was going to get a great job, I was going to get married, you know, where we're from, typically everyone moves back to the same place, and, and it's rainbows and roses, and when I was a sophomore in college, I ended up getting held at gunpoint, and where I come from, those things you only see on TV, you don't expect that to happen, and mm -hmm. it was clearly very traumatic, my parents moved me home that night, and Sarah called me the next morning and she said you know come she was living in Washington at the time she said come live with me and my world was destroyed everything I had planned for myself was ripped out from underneath me and I felt like there was you know what else am I going to do I may as well go move up there into her home and, and finish my career there and so that was the first step to to take a a new leap of faith and, and so I did it and I moved up here and you know I still continued to make the right decisions and life had changed and it was traumatic but I was gonna adjust and roll with the punches and within the next two years I 
you know, started my career, I got my degree, I got married to a wonderful man, and everything was going perfect, and then my sister got divorced, and I've been a pleaser my whole life, everything was always about everybody else, and you know, you're raised to believe that's, that's the right thing to do, is to do for others, and when she got divorced, it was devastating for my family, it was devastating for my parents, she was broken, my parents were broken, and I was broken, but my feelings couldn't matter in that moment, and I felt like it was my job to fix what was happening. And so, you know, their happiness was my happiness, and their sadness was my sadness. And it was, it was an incredibly devastating emotional roller coaster for me that affected me, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally. But I was determined to do it. And within that time, I had gotten a promotion at work, and suddenly I was responsible for other employees as well. I had a long commute with it, and here I was trying to fix everything that was going on in my family in my first year of marriage. So I had just, <laughs> yeah, and that's when it all came to a boiling point. I literally walked into the doctor's office with tears streaming down my face and said, I can't handle this life anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that was when my self-help journey started essentially. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was lacking boundaries in my life and I was lacking expectations in my life. And that was the point where I said, I can't, I can't feel like this anymore. And I decided that I was worthy of better. And, you know, both Sarah and I's moments of that kind of happened around the same point, which is really beautiful. So we've been able to do this journey together. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 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 Oh, well, that's, um, yeah, and, and yeah, it's usually something wakes us up, and hopefully it's not a Mack truck, and we, yeah. <laughs> we get the message before, but um, but that that we do wake up, and that we do listen, and then make new choices, which I hear you guys did. Um, you know, I did something similar in a way. I left a 24-year marriage to be happy, and and to have the the the... Uh, and, and in some ways I was happy, but I didn't have the relationship that I desired to have. Um, and, um, and, you know, a lot of people were, you know, a lot of my friends were like me, or I know lots of other couples that were like me and thinking that I was crazy for leaving, you know, a basically wonderful life, except I didn't, uh, I was not, um, when it recognized, you know, I was, I, I was not honored. I was not, um, seen. And, uh, the more that I wanted to be seen, the, the, the more of a, of a, a, a struggle there was about it because I was people pleaser also. And so I, t I left a 24 year, uh, marriage and left all my friends and moved across country and, and, um, and, have everything that I left for. And, and that was a very, uh, healing journey. And of course it's much more involved because I, I want to keep more on your story, but just to let our audience know that, um, and, and one, one part that I did that was because I wanted my kids to know that they never needed to be stuck. I, and I knew I, I could not, like you said, you I can't live like this anymore. I could I couldn't live a lie. I couldn't be the coach I am today if I stayed in something to be comfortable, but never but wasn't honoring who I was. And that's what I'm hearing from you guys is yeah, that you I, knew that there was more and that you were worthy of that. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yeah. 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 Spot on. Yeah. And so, and, and so part, so everybody listening, this is where we're, we're here to support you today and, and honor who you are and really flip, reflect back to you, um, who you are in order that you do fall in love with yourself. Um, I call it live the turned on life where you're, you're loving life and you guys are, you talk a lot about, um, loving who you are and you did you had you had to start to fall in, in in love with yourself and so do you want to share some of those stories and mm-hmm. and tips and and it's and and we were talking about relationships so I just want to frame this a little bit here I'm thinking um so as a coach I'm sorry as a coach um working with millennials I hear a lot uh, you know, I have millennials coming to me that they want to heal their relationships with their parents so that they feel good about moving on because they've been people pleasers or been pleasing their parents and they want to create their own identity and who they are and not feel responsible for their parents' happiness or unhappiness. And then also I get from them that wanting to have you know, you know, find their boyfriend, find their partner, uh, depending on where they are in their lives and and looking all over and that that really a lot of the relationships that they've been accustomed to, or also see around themselves are somewhat superficial, I'm going to say, or there's there's not clear guidelines or, um, you know, there's there's the um, you know, the, the friends with benefits, and then you've got, you know, group stuff happening. And then you've got, you know, people you like, but people are just coming, you know, it's like there, there isn't uh, the commitment, and they don't know how to do that. And they don't feel secure doing that. So uh, throwing and and then our relationship with ourselves inside of all of that, who the hell are we? So let's talk about all that. (laughs) All right, let's do it. So wherever you want to start, whatever's like piquing your interest at this time. Um, I think, you know, I guess we could start with uh, even the parents thing, Um, especially because, you know, Samantha and I, this is a topic that we're um, very aware of. And I'll I'll use an example of my divorce. And I felt like my parents were getting divorced and I wasn't. And that was really tough for me because as I was going through something traumatic, it was... We had a lot of, oh, my gosh, what are people going to think? What are we going to tell everyone? Because, again, I didn't didn't tell my parents anything that was going on. And so I kind of hit everyone sideways when I said, hey, I'm going to divorce. Mm -hmm. And my reaction or the reaction that I got kind of caught me off guard because it wasn't, oh, my gosh, we're here. I mean, it was uh, we're here, but then it was kind of like I saw it hit them at the same time. Um, and it was more about everyone else rather than what was going on just with, within each other. Um, and so with that, with, with wanting to please your parents, I think that was my first time that I really realized that I was accountable to my own happiness and that I was, I had to learn to be really okay with, um, what my journey was going to look like. And then my second example of parents is, when Samantha and I sat our parents down and said, hey, we're leaving our jobs, our corporate jobs. Samantha and I were climbing the corporate ladder for almost a decade. We had high-profile jobs. We were making a lot of money, and we were walking away. 
And again, it's not that our parents put food on our table anymore um, and we weren't going to them for help, but you still want their support. Um, but in working on what Sam and I worked on for so long in finding ourselves and finding validation within ourselves, we didn't go into that meeting with them needing any kind of reaction. No matter what reaction we got, we were going to be okay and we were going to continue to go on. And one of the best advice that we ever heard when we were going through this process and especially this journey of uh, preparing the table to make such a courageous movement and leave what was comfortable was if, and, and we do this with parents, or this can be also with, with friends, it could be with family, it could be with um, maybe just a, a critic or something. Mm-hmm. But the advice that we were given was if somebody is not doing what you're trying to do, Meaning, if they're not living the kind of life or they're not in the career or they're not in um, the relationship that you want to be in, then their opinion doesn't matter. And it's and I say this out of love. It's not meaning mm-hmm. I don't care about what everyone else thinks. It's a space of I'm. A, this is my journey and it may not look exactly like yours. So I will respect your opinion. But at the end of the day, unless you're doing what I'm trying to do, it's not going to affect me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, and I think we can do that a lot with our parents because a lot of times your parents want you to follow a certain path, and when you find your own individuality, a lot of times it might not look the same. Right, so you can respect and love the path that they took, but that was theirs. Right, right, and and that's one thing that uh, I actually have a saying: it's it um, that it's none of my business what other people think about me, and um, because nobody else is me. So nobody else has my programming, nobody else has my gifts, my talents, my genius, my shadows, you know, nobody else knows what's better for me than me. They can give suggestions or whatever, but, but at the end of the day, that's, that I'm up to me. And, and so I don't know if you guys know about, um, uh, chakras and vows that we take, but vows are deeply hidden beliefs. And as we grow up, it moves starting at the first chakra and goes all the way up to the uh, seventh chakra, top crown chakra, top of your head. But our first, our first um, vows is is around being loyal to the family, and so we do that out of safety and security. And so we we're we're either saying we will be like the family or we will rebel from the family. But and this is also whether we feel safe or not being us within the family. And then this is where a lot of uh, conforming to the family's rules, conforming to, you know, we, we're not going to make anybody look bad in the family. We're going to keep all the secrets. Um, you know, I'll do what I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do to, um, protect the family. And, and there's also money. I will not make more money than my family, um, is, is in there. So you guys talking, you were talking about the loyalty and not letting people down. And that gets a lot of people hooked, and we're really here to thrive and go beyond, um, become more enlightened than our family and carry that energy forward. I think that one, this is Samantha, I just want to add one more thing with that, with the parents too, is I think another struggle when it comes to validation or approval from parents is is that we have to get to a place where we understand that a lot of times their expectations for us are based off of what they believe is best or maybe necessarily what they wish they would have done differently in their lives. And so to understand that 
you know, a lot of people when they're not secure with where they're at and they're not doing really well on their own, they displace their happiness just like I did as a pleaser and other people. And I think that a lot of parents, they put a lot of their own happiness into their children and the lives that their children are living. And that puts a lot of pressure on a child. Yes. And so when you understand that they're just as accountable to their own journey as mm -hmm. you are to yours, right. that you can't take on that guilt or that burden of things that may be missing from their life. Right, right. They've got their own programming. Yes. <laughs> you know, they have their parents who program them. Yes. <laughs> and, their, and their culture and their religion and their, you know, media and all that stuff. So we're, we're, all, we're, we're all a product of our environment. Um, beyond our, you know, soul. And uh, so anyway, yeah, just realizing that everybody's in the same place and we've got to take care of, our, of, of ourselves. Yeah, so, yeah, so tricky stuff with the parents. Um, but there's a way I'm hearing, you, so you guys work things through with your, with, your, with your folks becoming, not by pleasing your folks, but by really becoming congruent with what it was that you... Uh, desired for yourself and doing your own healing and not uh, doing their work for them. Oh, absolutely. And the relationship that we have with our parents today, it has been earned. And Samantha and I, we always say that friendships, relationships, and even family, a relationship is a privilege and it's not a right. And, you know, that is very much a true example of our relationship now with our parents um, with us all setting healthy boundaries and mm -hmm. really finding our own individuality, um, we've now come to a place, but it, it took a good fight, but we now are at a really, really, really healthy place. Nice, nice. And I love that you're sharing. It's a process. It's a journey. It's not a black and white situation and that everybody's got to do their work. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, so how, let's talk about relationship to self and falling in love with ourselves and overcoming those, um, you know, the I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, um, I don't matter. There... Well, I'll give, I'll give, this is Samantha, and I'll give a, you know, an example for where that started in my life. Like, say, a lot of things that happen in your childhood. And, you know, when I was growing up being the younger sister, um, a lot of my life, I kind of just lived in the shadow of Sarah. You know, she was the pretty popular, fun loving, everybody wanted to be around her. And I was more so the one who just got the good grades and was nice to everyone. And, and I looked up to her for that, but I definitely just lived in, in her shadow for that. So then when it came to this point where as an adult, I'm trying to please everyone else and I'm learning that I actually have needs that need to be met myself, that's kind of where that collision happened. Um, and that's where I just had to make that conscious decision that I was worthy. And once you make that decision, you have to put in the work. So I got myself into therapy. I started reading self-help books. And you know, you expect a lot of times that these things are going to tell you how to deal with everyone else and then in reality it's it's looking at yourself in the mirror and so it's very healthy but it's a big struggle in the beginning and you know for me a lot of it was a lack of, of boundaries and that was because I didn't view myself worthy and so once I started instilling those things even though it was difficult I started gaining respect from people around me and it kind of validated my self-worth for me and the process just got better and better and better from there mm-hmm mm-hmm 
And and did you find I, I uh, did you find too because I think this was one of the biggest things for me to learn and I learned at a, at a later age and I wish that uh, because I was a perfectionist and a um, you know a, a, a people pleaser and wanted people to love and like me and no way could anybody see me being weak and um, or otherwise I wasn't going to be good enough or you know they would they would see the real me the shame that was behind. Uh, that but that being vulnerable and being really myself and being being to say I need help um, I'm feeling this um, the power in that is uh, you know I used to think being vulnerable was weak and everybody's going to look and judge me and and as I started I remember starting to do it and people were like oh my god I just love your vulnerability I'm like what what <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking to? Like, I it, I didn't trust that. I was afraid oh, yes, of absolutely. it. Yeah, go ahead. I, I had to, you know, that was just, just like I said, you know, even for the example of when my sister got divorced, I, I would take everybody's pain on my shoulder. So I always had to be the strong person. And that was coming to that place where it finally hit that I couldn't handle enough. I mean, walking into a doctor's office with tears streaming down my face saying, I can't handle this life give me pills was very shameful in that moment. I felt very shameful, but I didn't know what else to do or else I would have self-destructed. And once I released that and talked about it and accepted it and decided to get into therapy and read these self-help books, it was very powerful. I became an extremely powerful person within myself. And in that moment, I realized how much control and how much power I had over Samantha. And once you get to that place, you can't stop. It's not about everyone else anymore. You learn through yeah. setting boundaries. I mean, that was very difficult because you're used everyone who's around you is used to you, you yes. know, <laughs> asking you shall receive mentality, right? They're right. used to Samantha giving. You know, if you need something, go to Samantha and she'll say yes. And I realized that I had gotten to this place where saying yes or became bitter. I was angry about it. I was bitter because I wasn't doing it out of the goodness of my heart. And then once I spent this time to fall in love with Samantha and found this power, saying yes is freeing. And now mm -hmm. suddenly the people around me, initially it was like, wait, who's this person and what are you doing? And now they're like, yes, we love this person. You know, now they get the best version of me because I give to myself first. Right, right. Yes, yes. Wonderful. Um, and, um, Sarah, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I would say I remember um, to do like the flip side of when you when you talked about like appearing, like when you think being vulnerable is is strength, but really sometimes you feel like it's weakness and things like that. Um, I and I actually have a sign that says this now, but when I was going through my divorce and, and towards the end, um, parts of the infidelity had come out, and I was still staying and. There would be so many people that would that got a little small glimpse of behind the closed doors um, that would say to me, "Oh my gosh, Sarah, you're so strong because you're you've stayed. Like you're so strong." And in my head, I'm thinking, "No, I'm too weak. I'm too weak. If I was strong, I would get up and say I'm worthy. I would walk out that front door and I would say I would I will never be disrespected again." Mm -hmm. And I didn't have that. And so I now have a sign that says some people will think holding on to what makes you strong when in re reality it's letting go. It was the sign that my sister first bought for me after my divorce. But it, uh, it stuck with me because, you know, true strength is self-worth. And, yeah. you know, there is strength in staying and fighting. And, and if 
two people are going to give a hundred and, and turn things around and they're fully committed. I think that that takes immense strength, but it takes a lot of strength to get up and say, I'm worthy too. Yeah. Yeah. Great for sharing that. That and yeah, and it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to be us, right? To really be be vulnerable, be honest, to be authentic, um, to say what's on our mind, to do what we really feel we deserve, and to also claim that we deserve it when we've grown up not thinking we have. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, before we go to relationships with men. Uh, one of the things that I want to talk about that we talked about, because it's the self, I'm, I'm an energy, working in energy, and I really think our thoughts and our, and our feelings and ever, our actions of what we do um, are, are so important. And so, and I know you guys have um, some information to share on this too, so I'm going to throw this question out because I really think that as women and we need to start really supporting each other and honoring each other. And that includes not shaming or embarrassing others for being authentically ourselves in what, you know, in our shadow or in our light. I see a lot of us turning our lights down when we're really good to, when we get around somebody who's down because we were that people pleaser and we don't want them to feel bad because our life's so rocking and, um, and, and we're taken care of instead of instead of really basking in who we are. But there's another aspect of of I see that goes on uh, because for a lot of variety of reasons. But you know, and 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 there's this underlying line. Um, you know, again, it's a lot of it's unconscious, and I we don't need to go into all that, but. The, the question I had asked before is, why are millennial women calling each other bitches? This just like, it to me, it is just, it is keeping women down. It's shaming them, even though it there's some lightheartedness to it. But it's like, where where did that come from? You know, do we continue that? What's your guys' opinion? Our opinion on that is, you know, I want to use the example a lot of people say, basic bitch, right? They'll be like, oh, that's a basic bitch. And and when you look at it, it's like a lot of times people are saying it's because they don't have the glam and they don't have all, all the uppity stuff and, and all of that stuff. And so a lot of times we use those terms to define materialistic things. And really it's only to describe insecurity. And so if you're ever calling somebody a bitch or you're participating in gossip or if you're putting others down instead of lifting others up, it says more about you than it does about the other person. And when you really start to take a deep look in the mirror and you really start to do some self-discovery, you'll realize that it's not about other people. It's about yourself. And if you're worrying about what other people are doing, you're wasting your own time. And so when you call people or women, other women to women, bitches, it just makes you look bad. Um, and so it really is. And, you know, I truly believe that there is a movement going on. I think that Samantha and I are definitely part of this where women supporting women and women inspiring women. And, yes. um, you know, social media can be used for you or against you. And a lot of times Samantha and I say, you know, it is what are you doing with your time when it comes, or especially around social media? Because are you looking at your newsfeed and in the morning, and then you're getting out of bed, being like, "Gosh, everyone else's life is perfect, and I just feel behind." And here goes another day. 
Or are you like going and finding really positive, influential people on there? Are you, you know, spending time reading really good articles that people share? And are you eliminating negative stuff that you see? Um, on Instagram, are you following hashtags, you know, women empowerment, self-love, um, motivation? I mean, those kind of things can be used as tools, but then they also can be used against you. And so, again, it comes down to you're in the driver's seat and you got to be in control of your driver's seat. And if you're surrounded by somebody that is calling other women bitches, you got to get a new circle um, <laughs> because that just says more about you and, you're, and the circle that you keep, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. You know, and I, I, I so I, I want to add a little bit other, uh, uh, one other part to this is I'm thinking too is that, you know, as a baby boomer and, um, you know, one, bitches, where the, where the bitches came from was, is, is somewhere what men used to call women in business who spoke their mind, who were being authentic and saying, you know, and, and, you know, instead of acting like a man in business, they were being a woman and speaking their mind. And that's, you know, so the term became that they're bitching, you know, instead of a man having power. So it was really a woman, you know, being in her power was then looked upon like she was a bitch. Um, you know, or somebody, you know, a husband would call a wife if she was nagging, right, asking for what she desires and needs. Um, so there's a lot of, of history <laughs> that goes goes along with that term, too, that just, just is is not um, is not good, not healthy and not supportive at, at all. So, um so thank you on that. So guys, I just want to, we're a little over. Can you go a little bit longer? Yeah. Okay, good. Cause I'm really enjoying this. Um, so let's, so let's talk about relationships and, and how, I think you guys just wrote an article. You want to talk about that and tell them also where they can go find that article and sign up for your newsletter so that they can be reading it and, and get on your blog. Um, yes. So our, our website is Never Be Average, and we have a lot of relationship and dating advice on there. But we also are uh, contributing writers for the Indie Chicks. And so this article is specific to their website. But if you go to Never Be Average and you subscribe to our email list, then you would always have these updates to go find these things. So for the Indie Chicks, you know, their brand is, you know, how to build your inner badass, which kind of stems off of what we're trying to do for women. And so this article we wrote is how to stop picking the wrong guy. Because we see the same thing. We did it, for one. Sarah and I both have picked the wrong guy before. Um, but we see it all the time. And so one thing I, I think that's really hard for the millennial generation when it comes to relationship uh, is social media. Because you are comparing yourself to everyone and what their best filtered life looks like. And so we get so caught up because we've been dreaming of this perfect happily ever after for our whole lives. And then you start to see other people supposedly have that in front of your face. So we, be, we become desperate almost for just being in a relationship and not actually worried about what the right relationship is to be in. Mm. Yes. Good. Good point. And I loved you said best filtered life. <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect, that's, that's, yeah. Okay, go and, ahead. And again, you know, our article around it is, you know, this is what, this is what is so empowering and what is so beautiful about self-investment is you always go into it thinking, 
um, it's going to be about everyone else. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, every single book that I picked up, every single article that I went to go read, and it would have a title like this one, you know, How to Stop Picking the Wrong Guy or, or this or that, or um, I would go into it thinking, yeah, I want to know what's wrong with all these people. Like, I want to know. Tell me, tell me about them. What's their issue? And like, well, it's not me, it's them. Mm -hmm. And every single time I, I would start to read material or I'd start to um, dive into an article, I would start realizing, oh my gosh, it starts with me. Like, the issue is with me. And so our article that we wrote, and, and majority of our articles about relationships, come down to you. And when you invest in yourself and you set healthy boundaries and, and you work on gaining confidence, um, pretty soon you won't be picking wrong guys because you won't be dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And there are a ton of great guys out there. Mm -hmm. But, but you got to work through your insecurities. you got to work through your trust issues. Um, you got to work through your past. And you got to find who you are and what you want. And once you can come to that place, because that's the starting point. Because if you don't ever get there, you're just going to take the same person and do a, a, a different person. And so it's just, it's just repeating the cycle because it always comes down to you. And, you know, I'm telling you, when I, when I made this huge change in my life, I now, I'm engaged now, and I have an amazing man. But I'll tell you that I had to work on myself to deserve somebody like this. Mm -hmm. um, but he also deserves me. And right. so it's that... It's that, it's that self-love piece, and I can't tell you even after my divorce how many wrong people. I dated over and over and over and over again, and again, until I looked at myself in the mirror, I thought it was everybody else and not me, and once I started to realize it's me, that's when everything in my life started to change. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Um, and I always ask them, who do you have to become in order to attract the man you desire? So it's like, who, who, you know, um, because a lot of times when you're first dating too, you're actually just, you know, relationships are about healing, you know, get, getting the healing that you're wanting that you didn't, that you didn't get when you were a child, getting your needs met that that somehow weren't met as a child. And um, and so when you first meet and stuff and you get together, you're like poking each other's wounds. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like, oh, there's your wound, there's my wound. And, you know, instead of thinking, okay, how can we heal that? Uh, because, because I think one of the things that I can say right here that just sort of popped in too was like, you are already whole, you are already worthy, you are already enough. There is nothing else you have to do, be, or have in order to be healthy and to have the life you desire. There's only your programming, your conditioning through your child, the beliefs that you've created that make you seem like you're not enough, you're not worthy, um, and you can't do something or you're not good enough. That it, it's only programming. That's not the truth. And so what these, what Sarah and Samantha have been doing, and and I have done, and and um, you know what we're inspiring you to do is to uncover what is already you, beautiful, beautiful and messy you. I, that's what I I started calling myself a, a juicy mess because I am the light and I am the shadow, and that's what makes me so. So it makes me me. It makes me the creative, juicy, um, you know, charismatic, uh, you know, frightened, 
Marilyn and um, at, at moments and then other things at other moments. And so, and, and all of us have that and, all, and that's nobody else can be that. And so it's like revealing the work, the inner work that you're doing. You're not going in to fix anything. You're going in to reveal the truth about who you are and get rid of the lies that you've been, you've been programmed to believe. Yes. And we, you know, that's one thing that's really important with relationships. We feel like why women choose the wrong relationship so often is because they haven't taken the time to reveal or unleash their inner self and, and their real true needs and desires. And so what they're looking for is something that's based off of a checklist that they formed because of what their parents told them, what they saw on TV, what society tells them is best for them, not what's actually right for them. Right. Yes. Yes. So they have to become more conscious. They have to get clear on, you know, they have to start paying attention. What do I feel? What's, yeah. What am I feeling? What's important to me, right? To, uh, you know, not be up in your head thinking, start getting down into your body and feeling who who are you? What What's important to you, correct? Or yes. And I think also having that openness to Maybe what you've always felt like is is the right thing isn't necessarily the right thing. Maybe what you've always looked at would be the perfect guy isn't the perfect guy for you. So also having that openness to not just go straight for what you think you want and maybe be a little bit more open to dating different types of guys. And that's where you really get to know yourself and what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And... So, and then just one other thing I want to put in, the, the trust issue, because I feel like I get that a lot of my millennials were, were working with trust. So how, how do you guys look at the trust issue? Because um, I was talking about, you know, the social media, um, you know, things are a lot um, not as defined, you know, lines about um and, and, and lack of commitment. So somebody wanting to be committed, but ending up in a lot of relationships with people that, that aren't looking for commitment. (laughs) Yeah. And and that again comes down to understanding who you are and what you want. And so if for you, you know, when I really started to work on myself and I, when I began the date after working on myself, it was my expectations, my conversations looked a lot different going into the dating process because I'll tell you for five years, I was in and out of relationships and I'd be let on. I would, um, be hurt. Uh, I would be misled. I mean, all those things and, or someone wasn't ready or they were just looking for a good time. And all that stuff, especially after, you know, I was doing a lot of online dating. And so you talk about those things. And and what was different about when I really started to invest in myself and understand who Sarah is and what she wants, my conversations dating looked very different. And so I knew my expectation of where I was at, what I wanted my next chapter to look like, why I wanted it, what I was going to bring to the table and what I expected back. And if we weren't going to be on the same timeline or if we weren't going to be on the same page, there was nothing personal about it, basically, because it was it just wasn't right. And so, again, it comes down to finding out who you are and what you want, because once you do that, you know, and you're confident in it. And then when it, also with the trust issues is, you know, I come from a, a relationship with, with a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, and a lot of infidelity. And you would think that I would just carry around this trust baggage, basically, in every relationship. And that's been a huge thing for me is to make sure that, like, I worked through that. Samantha and I have um, a couple different 
uh, articles on our website about, um, you know, breaking free from regret and, and finding forgiveness. Um, and those kind of things is, is a part of the healthy process. Um, but with the trust issue, you know, one of my favorite sayings is 10% um, is what happens to us and 90% is how we respond. When a lot of people, though, and I was guilty of this, is they live life 90% is what happens to them and 10 percent is how they respond. And so what Samantha and I really want to do is help women respond 90% and only have 10% affect you. And that's where the, that's where the trust issue is. So as I go into my, my next relationship, you know, is, is there the potential that I could be cheated on? Well, yes. I mean, that's a factor in any, any relationship. Mm -hmm. But the difference now and where I don't live in a level of fear of it is I know how I would respond if it happened to me. Mm -hmm. And that's the power. And that's when you get to let go of the trust issues because you now are in the driver's seat. And if that happens, you can handle it. It's not handling all must stay or things like that, but you know exactly how you're going to respond. And that's where the power, that's where the power within yourself is in control. It's not in control of the other person, but you're in control of yourself. And so you no longer have to live in that fear anymore. Right, right. Well, and you've also, well, then when you're not living in that fear, you will attract a person that's not going to live out your greatest fear for you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right, right. So, um, so, yeah, lots of things are running through my mind and, and uh, love to do this again with you and, and, and pick another topic or, or talk just about dating or something. We can do that because um, you guys are wonderful. Um, I, 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 I love what you're doing. And I, I know one of the things that you guys talk about is your, you know, your relationship with each other and how you've supported each other. And, and I see that you're doing this. What you're doing is helping women come together and support each other, like coming to the well, sharing the things that are happening and, and being honest and authentic and vulnerable and um, and taking responsibility. And so, guys, I really recommend going and checking out neverbeaverage.com. And um, they do, they have fabulous uh, blogs on there. And um, you guys, do you want to share your ebook that's coming out? Yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, for anybody who's been listening to this podcast and feels like, you know, that sounds great, but how, how do I do that? You know, that sounds easier said than done. My environment has been this way for a long time. And, and you know, what steps would I really be able to take next? And, you know, Sarah and I can sit here and we are um, a product of, of what we are saying. And we've put in the work and we've put in the time. And so that's really what our ebook is. You know, it's kind of just the the so what now you want change you're ready for change but your circumstance is still the same and you don't know how to implement it and get there and so that's that's what our ebook is it's um you know our first ebook and it's really about taking a look in the mirror you've decided you want change now what tools and steps can you implement every day to start living the life that you really want to live and so those are kind of the things that we've been talking about today i don't want to give too much away because of course we hope people will um, come get it but again if you go to never be average and you subscribe to our email list you'll definitely get the first update we expect to have it published by the end of the month yay <laughs> <laughs> another big avenue of putting putting the information out there so you can reach more people and so do you guys want to also share your Facebook Twitter and Instagram so people can follow you and 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 c connect to you Yes, yeah, so pretty much if you go to any of um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
if you just type in uh, never be average, you're going to find it. Uh, it's different on each one. We have some underscores and some periods on different ones. Um, but uh, the uh, feedback that we've gotten is that if you just type in never be average, you're going to find um, us on our social media. Yay. And then, again, I'll just tell you, on our website, we also have links that you can just click on, and it'll bring you right to our social media. Okay. Well, great, uh, Sarah and Samantha. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being on Millennials and Money Cafe. And um, I look forward to having Girl Talk again. And congratulations doing the work that you're doing in the world. It's really fabulous. And if there's any way I can help you or um, be, have resources for you, just reach out. And, um, and uh, let's play again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So thank you, everybody, for listening to um, this Millennials uh, and Money Cafe with uh, Sarah and Samantha of NeverBeAverage.com. And you can find out more about me, Marilyn O'Malley, at MarilynO'Malley.com. Thank you.